This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay. And today I'm joined with a special guest, Dee Charlemagne, who is the co-founder of Avec. And Avec is a premium mixer that's all natural, made with real juice, botanicals and spices, and low in sugar and calories. This is a really cool space that's coming in. Um, so excited to talk to Dee. And Dee's going to be telling a little bit about brand storytelling. They At Avec, they have an incredible brand story, and you can even see it throughout the whole website and everything that kind of plays into it. So really excited to dive into this topic with you, Dee. But before we jump into all the questions about brand storytelling, I would love if you can give a little bit of a quick intro to the audience and kind of talk about what Avec is all about in your own words. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Excited to be on here. So Avec is a line of mixers, so premium better for you mixers. Think vodka avec ginger or tequila avec jalapeno and blood orange. And our mixers are made in Brooklyn with real juice, botanicals and spices. So all natural ingredients, no fake anything, no monk fruit or stevia or anything like that. And really made to be paired with alcohol. They're in sort of these stylish eight ounce cans that you pour a double shot of spirit in, or you can have them by yourself. So think instead of like a spicy margarita mix, which is, you know, sugary and full of weird stuff. You know, we have our jalapeno and blood orange which has a bit of calamansi juice and a bunch of, you know, different flavors that essentially pair well with spirits. All of our drinks are under four grams of sugar and under 20 calories. So it's sort of made for that person who goes to the bar and gets like a vodka soda when they're trying to be sort of healthy, but there's not really another option. And what we notice is, you know, with brands like Sweet Green changing what people are having for lunch or Oatly changing what people are having, you know, with their coffee or dairy at all, the world of food and beverage has really evolved. But the mixer categories in the dust, it was, you know, people were still pairing premium spirits with things like orange juice or cranberry juice or Red Bull, even if that's the fanciest and it hadn't really changed. So we're really here to innovate that and think about change what people mix with their spirit. And my background, I guess, is, you know, I was in branding before this. So really have a passion for sort of brand storytelling, but also just people and human experience storytelling in general. So after, you know, close to 10 years in advertising and media, I did agency, creative agencies, as well as publishers. I used to work for Vice and then work for sort of a hybrid agency. I came to understand how brands are built and communities are created and really wanted to you know, build a physical product um, and a community around a new kind of brand. And so the goal of Avec is not just to be you know, a mixer and a better for you product, but it's also a way to get people to mix with different backgrounds, different sort of values. And so it's exciting. We launched in June this year, which is a bit crazy, but it's been a good ride so far. Yeah, that's awesome. And congrats on the launch again. I know you're going to dive into a little bit about your success as well over there, but that's always really exciting launch day. I'm really curious. So you mentioned, you know, your background has been around, you know, you've done some brand storytelling before and you've kind of been around that experience. I'm always curious to hear how people end up in the consumer package, good space or as an entrepreneur, because a lot of people that we've actually talked to that do have their own kind of consumer product are sometimes first time founders in that space. They haven't really created anything in that space. So how did you kind of land into the beverage industry? So I met Alex, my amazing co-founder in grad school. Actually, we met on the first day sort of bonded instantly. And he was a food and beverage consultant over in the UK, 
more of a management consultant, but sort of developed this pension for like food and beverage. And so he came over with this idea around, you know, tonic water, which gin and tonics in the rest of the world are like the main drink, the thing that people are drinking constantly. People sort of get that they call a premium gin, like a Hendrix or something with, you know, like a fever tree tonic. And we just didn't have that behavior um, in America. And at the same time, we both, you know, went to business school wanting to create something that was more than just a, you know, PowerPoint deck or an app or something, but something that really was a physical thing that brought people together. And so the idea from Avec sort of evolved over the course of that time. You know, we were making things at home and Alex has this amazing sort of palette, you know, squeezing juices at home and all of that before we got to formulators. But yeah, definitely first time founders in this space. So there was a lot to learn quickly, but I think some of our lack of experience has led to some innovations and just like belief that we could do it. Like when we first went to our formulator and we were like, we want to make something that pairs with alcohol that doesn't have, sh- have sugar and said the same thing to bartenders. People were like, you guys are crazy. You know, people love sugary cocktails, you know, and then White Claw came out last summer and bartenders changed their mind. We figured out a way to, you know, create sweetness with, you know, all natural things and not replacing, you know, any fake sugar. I don't really don't like artificial anything. And so it was exciting from that point because we just believed we could do it and sort of had a different viewpoint than the rest of the industry at the time. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, especially that point that you hit on about the creativity and being able to innovate in the space. I think it's always really interesting. And you mentioned like, you know, if you have been in the space before, you kind of get and I think it's in any industry, whether it's, you know, consumer goods or even like marketing or sales or anything like that, you kind of get fixed into what the best practices are or how your path should go and what else is in that space. So it kind of puts you a little bit into a box and not maybe intentionally, but kind of prevents you from always thinking about innovating ideas and how do you make innovation in the space. So I think that's really interesting over there that you hit on that point. And one thing I also think is really interesting, and I'd love to dive in a little bit more about the name of the brand itself. And so I'm kind of doing a little bit of a layup because I read some information online and I think you kind of hinted on it at the beginning as well. But yeah, let's talk about the name of Ek. Like how, how did that come about? And I just love to hear your thinking on that. Yes, that was an Alex creation for sure. But Avec means with in French, obviously. And we wanted something that was really simple to order at the bar. So you weren't going to the bartender and having this very elaborate cocktail you had to think about. So we wanted something that linked, you know, spirit with or spirit and or spirit or, you know, inter basically an easy way to order. And so Avec uh, had that premium feel to it. It was easy to order. You could kind of imagine in a dream world. And like, that's when I know the brand will be successful when people go to the bar and say, can I have a gin Avec, yuzu lime, or can I have my tequila Avec, la la la. Uh, And it just has that ring to it. And it's sort of fun to play with. Like it's, it's not meant to be fancy. It's like kind of silly to order. And so something that brought a smile to people's faces as we were testing it out with like friends and classmates and things like that. So it stuck. It was trademarked and we fought for it. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And I think it really leans into that brand storytelling piece that we're going to jump into as well. You know, really bringing all of those elements together and even that experience from, from the ordering all the way through the actual drink and what it's all about is really important over there. So I want to ask you, like, you know, you've mentioned that your background has been around brands before, and there is a lot of that storytelling that's evident even in the name of Avec. So how has storytelling played a role in the growth of your brand? Like walk us through 
how important it's been since you guys started. Yeah. I mean, I think story is sort of everything. It's the way you sell ideas. It's the way people connect. It's, you know, the core of the EVEC mission is really to bring people together. There's actually a whole like Financial Times article that we found that show that cultures that drink together, and that doesn't have to be a alcoholic drink, but cultures that drink together, you know, meet down at the local pub in sort of the old school way actually feel like more connected. And all of that is through storytelling, you know, all the banter at the bar or the chats at the bar or the chats at home over dinner. Uh, And so that's always been sort of core to our brand. But we really wanted to make sure people could sort of easily relate to the products. Uh, We didn't want to be this sort of like, oh, you know, we came and innovated in the space. So each of our flavors are like very approachable. So you have Avec, Yuzu and lime and lime is something that people know for sure. Yuzu is a bit more of an interesting ingredient. So thinking about just all these stories of, you know, the ingredients in the first place, thinking about the story around people coming together and even the story as we think about distribution, which I'm sure we'll get into launching at this time, but always trying to, you know, have a drink with the story, not to hark on the name too much, but we just find storytelling is really powerful, especially in a world where most brands are focused solely on like performance marketing and how do we know get CPA and all that kind of insert acronym soup. But at the end of the day, if you don't really have a good story, it's not going to stick. You know, uh, you get majority of your audience at the beginning through like all these ad platforms, but then there's no community to sort of support it after that if you don't have a really strong story. So we'd always, you know, our, one of our first meetings was writing down, you know, the values of our company as much as writing down the recipes for our product. Yeah. And that's really good insight over there. I think, you know, that can lean into, like you said, long-term growth, right? Because once you have that penetration in your target audience, then it's going to be a lot harder to expand because in that first beginning sense, you know, when you're targeting your target audience, even on performance marketing, your acquisition cost is not super high, but then you've got to expand outside of that bubble at some point and reach people that might be interested in the product, might not, but need a little bit more persuasion to convert. And I think that's when that brand story telling can really play a really cool part in there. And so talking about building like that brand story, and I know you're really passionate about that for the audience that's out there. We love to provide, you know, those actionable tips that can really, they can listen to the podcast and hop off and say like, okay, I'm going to go do this. So in your words, like, what do you think are some good elements of telling a brand story? Like how can brands do that and have it all come together? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of brands just copy other brands from what you see. Like, you know, there's always a trend of like, Colorful background, everyone moved there, you know, or this kind of filter, everyone moved there. And I think it's really about thinking, you know, what am I doing that's different? How is my story different? And how does your own like personal passion relate to your brand? Because I think even when we first started, you know, we were so focused on the ingredients and we had these beautiful, cool shots of the cans upside down with flavors moving around. And, you know, we put things like, okay, we're in this Avec van. We bought this ridiculous 1995, like old Chevy van that has no air con. And it was just, you know, Alex and I on the road with this van and that content outperformed, you know, the fancy photo shoots that we spent so much money on. And so I think it's just thinking about how to, how does it relate to you? And like, how would you talk to, you know, consider your target audience a friend and like, how would you talk to them about it? And what would be the weird exercise where it's like, describe three words, you know, tell us three words that your friends would use to describe you, like do that for your brand and see what comes out. And it's going to be very hard to sort of pick those three words. But once you do, I think it's sort of a guidepost. And then the other thing I would say is just think about, you know, having worked at Vice, which sort of grew from 
a magazine into this big media company, the best thing I learned there was just like, how's your brand part of culture? You know, it's more than just being online and having pretty photos or answering a product need, but like, how are you part of culture? And what's that bigger thing that is going to get people in different kinds of communities together? So like you think about Supreme and how they lean sometimes into skateboard culture and borrow stuff from that or hip hop culture and borrow stuff from that. It's like, what other cultures are you borrowing things from in appropriate ways that are organic to you? But where is that overlap? Like I said, in values, like the most important exercise we did was probably think about those values. And it's like, what other communities have those values? And how can we, you know, relate to each other in that way? So again, that probably goes back more to storytelling overlap, but it's just like thinking about adjacent communities as well as your own sort of first core customer to your point. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about, actually, because it's like you said, bringing that personal story in, bringing in the external environments. And it's easy to get caught up, I think, you know, in that performance marketing and wanting to grow really fast and wanting to distribute really fast whatever product you have. But you have to take a step back, like you said, and have those conversations and figure out what your brand is really about, because you can create those authentic experiences in-house a lot of times, like you mentioned, you know, you and your co-founder in the van and using that content to really help drive the growth. Like those are things that founders or even marketers can do right now. They can go outside and, you know, use their product and figure out creative ways to to place the product and have that story really lean into the product and have that displayed. And I think that's a really cool way of thinking about it. Yeah, I think just growing slow too, right? Like the word growth is so sexy to people. And it's like, we don't have 40,000 plus Instagram followers in our first month. And like, that doesn't make us panic because we feel like each follower, we sort of know, like, it's not like you make this massive following by just going out and giving a speech, which is what a lot of brands try and do. Like, let me do a medium post. Like, it's a speech to all and not really building slowly and thinking about that. And so we do think about, you know, for our first couple months, we didn't have any paid, to be honest. We did everything organically just to see what the conversations were without us controlling it. Cause you don't want to create, I mean, you want to create conversations, but you want to be part of conversations that are happening naturally too. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So I know you just mentioned that, you know, you don't have that huge social media following, but before we kind of jumped onto this podcast, I know you have a lot of press that you guys have received as well. And I think that's a really important part that a lot of brands struggle with because it can be difficult. And you have some experience in that because, you know, you were working at Vice before. So I think the whole audience would be curious just to learn how you generated so much press for yourselves, even though you guys aren't necessarily putting that much money into paid. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, find a trusted PR partner. We do have like a freelancer who's very, very part-time for us. But even before we hired her, we had very tailored lists of people that, you know, we loved the way they wrote. We love their storytelling. We thought they would be interested in the product. It wasn't just this transactional, like, Hey, I'm launching a brand. Let me be part of your, you know, hundreds of pitches that happened during the day, but really researching your press target and having like a very honest approach. Like, why is the product relevant to them? Why is it interesting to their readers? What's the timely hook? You know, what's the disruption to the category? How does this fit in their calendar? And really investing the time and resources to sample media and consumers like for a while. And as much as we can now, we dedicate, you know, half a day a week each to literally hand delivering things when we can to people in New York and stopping having that conversation. And it could be the smallest, you know, journalist to the biggest journalist, but 
really making sure we're building relationships and getting people to believe in the product or also hearing why they don't believe in the product, right? Because I think also part of having a, a good story is that sometimes people won't agree with your opinion or agree with your values, but you want to know why that is. And so I just think, you know, that really tailored outreach and building relationships and not just relying on hiring a big PR firm to do all the work for you, like, you know, your brand best, give them a list of, you know, 50 people to start out with. And if you don't know those 50 people, you don't know what press is talking about. So you're sort of missing a trick as well. Yeah, I love that you leaned in on that consistency piece over there and that you actively you know, make an effort to, to connect with these people. And I think that's really important because it doesn't necessarily always take like a bunch of pieces to, to have that nice press moving forward. I mean, I think the, the PR person that you work with shared with me about like, I think eight to 10 links over there, which, you know, a lot of people would consider a lot, but you know, it, it makes sense when you connect the dots, when you talk about like, we spend so much time making these connections with people and talking to people and really wanting to help push that brand story and seeing how it relates back to them and how it affects them. So I think that makes a lot of sense when you kind of connect the dots there. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, I know we've talked a a lot about brand storytelling and things like that. I want to switch it back on to you and your co-founder specifically. I think it's always interesting to find out what kind of like brands are inspirational, like challenges to overcome and stuff like that. And so I'd love to hear like, obviously, you know, you being a brand aficionado, being in that space and loving brand that much, I'm sure you have your favorite brands that you look up to and have helped inspire you. So I'd love to, I'd love to hear in your words, like maybe some brands that have inspired you and helped you on your journey to, to land where you are. Yeah. I mean, I think I learned so much from different brands. To be honest, Avec is really seeking to be a brand, what we say is like premium, but grounded, right? So a lot of wellness brands, I would say, while inspirational and aspirational, don't speak to another side of the world and the other side of the world, you know, who's into wellness and, you know, into wellness, but needs to be educated about it. Maybe, you know, these very premium brands tend to ignore. And so having been someone that, you know, I grew up in the Bronx and then really got to go to like very elite colleges and grad schools. And I never felt like there was a brand that really spoke to both sides of that D, you know, like some something that was, you know, as Harlem, where I live now, or as Hamptons, where we are. And we really think about how we create experiences around them. So Red Bull has been obviously a huge inspiration for us as we think about, you know, what would it look like for Red Bull to launch today and really be part of the way people experience life and speak to, you know, the skater boy as much as speaking to a high end bar that's serving their drink. And I hate saying like high brow or low brow, but really like brands that combine those two worlds for so a lot of streetwear brands do that really well. I would say sneaker culture is a huge inspiration from that standpoint. I just feel like it speaks to everyone and gets people excited in a new way. Technology brands, I would say, are, you know, inspirational from a design standpoint. But I sort of look at like, what can we do that's the opposite of technology in a lot of ways as we think about just living in this tech technology world, I do think there'll be a trend where people reject some of that. And so like, how can you be as tactile as possible? And so that wasn't like a list of brands that I love, but I think I take inspiration from a couple different ones. And then, like I said, really make it sort of my own interpretation. Yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more. Kind of, I know I was going to ask you about some of your challenges and while we can dive into that, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, how you mentioned that you don't always want to be that brand that's connected with technology. So how do you guys do that at Avec? How do you lean away from that and kind of 
break the mold in that sense? Because it does feel like a lot of brands want to be part of the the tech scene. Yeah. I mean, I think navigating, you know, we'll get into challenge, I guess, but navigating launching amid pandemic, you know, before pandemic, we were very much thinking about how can we be part of local events like in New York, like a MoMA PS1 experience or places where art was happening or culture was happening. And never really thought that would be actually more D2C, even though I'm on the D2C podcast and most of our business is now online. But even on our online experience, as you scroll through the site, hopefully, evectdrinks.com, you'll see that we really tried to create a different kind of experience than you know just going on a normal Shopify site. It kind of makes you stop. It feels playful. But I think you know with one of the main customers shut down, like bars, restaurants, even sampling in stores, we pivoted to hosting smaller events. So we did like a Harlem speakeasy dinner for a group of people that were sort of in quarantine together where we did, you know, a pairing menu with each of our event cocktails. We launched with sort of this roving six foot bar table that sort of had people, four people around a table, but they were always six feet apart around the city to like do socially distant drinking. You know, we've done some pop-ups in the Hamptons where we're selling well, right now we're doing a reoccurring like Tarot Tuesdays at Short Stories in the Lower East Side, you know, changing what people mix with their spirit. But, you know, people just love coming and like hearing a tarot reader or hearing an astrologist talk about their background. So it's really encouraging different people, drinkers from different backgrounds and cultures to find a common ground and a common experience to bond over. And I think as things open up, we'll try and do more and more of that. Kind of adds a little bit of an exclusivity to it as well, that you feel like you're part of this special club, especially if you're attending one of those sessions. So I think that's a really cool way to to create that personal one-on-one connection there. So talking about, you know, you've, you guys launched in the middle of a pandemic, which is kind of crazy. I'm sure that's one of the biggest challenges, but if there's any other challenges that you've had, I'd love to hear like how what those challenges are and how you've been able to overcome them. Yeah. I mean, I think for beverage in general, even the biggest brands, right? Like we get to talk sometimes to people from like the Diageos and Cokes of the world, and they don't even have a playbook on how to, you know, run a brand or run events in a pandemic. And so I think it, while challenging has been a creative opportunity because we can be so nimble and no one's really checking, you know, like exactly what we're doing. We can sort of do things that a lot of bigger brands cannot, but it's definitely been a challenge because we haven't had the opportunity, you know, to have as many in-person events and things. And our product, if anyone's listening, who it's a product that like needs some education around it. Like how do you educate consumers around this whole like highball drink category? We very much have a goal of trying to sit in between the beer and wine menu and the cocktail menu and being the price point and the flavor sort of palette in between those two things. But that takes a lot of explaining, which is why, you know, not having that one-on-one opportunity or chance to showcase has been a bit difficult. But just thinking about how we use other people to share that story, how we even use like packaging. So we've just updated our like direct-to-consumer packaging to have some cool stuff on it. And that's dropping next week. So just thinking about, you know, different ways and different mediums. We use a lot of illustration, a lot of photos, videos, etc. But really the best thing is someone explaining to their friend exactly how to do it. You know, have it chilled, pour it with a double shot. It's not going to be as sugary as your cocktail, but it's going to be delicious. Like if we can get as many people saying that, that would be amazing. But yeah, the old playbook is sort of gone, which is interesting. And it's really helpful for you guys too, I guess, in that sense, even though it is a challenge, like you said, or it is a challenge to launch during a pandemic, but you said it is a creative opportunity. I think that's a really interesting way of thinking about it because if, you know, 
the brand is successful, which it has been during the pandemic, it's just going to add more fuel to the fire when things start opening up and you're able to do those other traditional methods or things that you had planned because now you have a new channel that you're winning in, especially in direct to consumer, which you said, you know, has become a really powerful channel for VEC. And so on that kind of note, talking about, you know, how direct to consumer has been powering you guys, I'd love to hear like what what's next for VEC as you guys kind of move forward and, and navigate through what's going on in the world right now and even just the brand as a whole. Yeah. I mean, for us, logistically, you know, we're signing on with the distributor soon. So really expanding our footprint in the New York area and then Moving on beyond that, as I mentioned, we just launched, you know, this party pack and new packaging for the holidays. So really thinking about that gifting occasion and then really a lot of partnerships. Like I would say, again, when you think about that story and who your partners are, adjacent brands are, you know, we have incredible opportunities that are coming up with some spirit brands that we've done cocktails with. You know, we've done cocktails with Seedlip that are going to be published, cocktails with some other startup drink brands. We're doing a project with a bunch of different people that will come out, but a lot more partnerships and thinking about this whole space of entertainment and at-home entertainment. We're part of like a conference that's happening for a bunch of stylists around the world. So very excited to sort of expand and like you say, like get the opportunity to add fuel to, you know, as things open up, if we saw our brand do well when everyone was on lockdown, it'll definitely do well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, I'll, I'll definitely be on the lookout for that. I am a huge fan of locale beverages as well. And I still like to, to drink with friends. So I, I definitely want to check that out. But D, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Really appreciate having you on here and talking about brand storytelling and talking about how important it is to get those things right. And even how you can get those things right. So it was great hearing from you. Great getting to talk to you. Before I sign off for the podcast, I do want to give you the opportunity. I know you mentioned the website earlier, but if people are looking to uh, purchase any beverages from Avec Drinks or just looking to learn more about the brand or even connect with you, if you could provide some extra information over there. Yeah, we're at Avec Drinks on Instagram, avecdrinks.com. We're on Mini Bar in Drizzly in New York. And if you go to our site, all of our stockists are sort of listed and updated in real time. And basically every channel will go to either Alex or I. So just contact us on anything. Cool. Awesome. Well, Dee, thanks so much for joining the podcast. It was a lot of fun. And I'm sure our audience is going to be really excited about hearing all the tips that you have. And for everyone listening out there, thanks again for listening to the D2C pod. And we'll see you next time. 